0: with Paul Flaherty, a weekly show that focuses on mental health and well-being. Sundays on Lockray Community Radio, brought to you by Dignity Funeral Care. Funeral directors caring for your peace of mind.
1: Hello, you're very welcome along to today's episode of Mind the Head here on LCR 102.9 FM. A very big thank you to Denise for a vibrant life and Denise is back with you again next Sunday from 11am. Now before we start today's show I've got to mention the sponsor and I'm going to read out this note from our sponsor. Uh, The sponsor of today's show is Dignity Funeral Care and they are based in Lochray and Portumna. And if you'd like more information about them you can go on the website DignityFuneralCare.ie. And also, we are celebrating three years on the air here at LCR 102.9 FM, so I hope you will join us in celebrating that. And a big thank you to all our listeners, sponsors, contributors, everyone that's helped us to get to where we are today. So that's a bit of good news. And speaking of good news, uh, I'm joined here in the studio today by Siobhan Mungovan, and we first met... I think maybe two years ago, Siobhan. Yeah, is that about know, right? I,
2: I was actually only saying that to my dad coming up on the car today. He's like, so Yeah. It's been about two years,
1: yeah. Um, lovely to see you, and thank you're thank very you. welcome to the program.
2: Thanks for having me again.
1: Um, you've been quite busy since yes. we last <laughs> met. I have, I have. We'll talk a bit about your book, um, The Story. <laughs> I smile back, The Story Nobody Knows. We'll <laughs> talk about that in a couple of minutes. Um, but I suppose, Siobhan, anyone listening along today that doesn't know who you are, um, <laughs> maybe you could tell us a little bit about yourself. I
2: Okay, um, so my name is Siobhan Mungovan. I am originally from County Clare and I'm a mind coach, um, NLP practitioner and a hypnotherapist. Um, I'm also an author. Um, I've had the great honour and privilege of co-writing two books. Um, My first book was Me and My Backbone, uh, published by Book Hub Publishing in Galway in 2014. And just recently, I published my my second book, I Smiled Back, the story nobody knows, also with Book Hub Publishing so I've been very privileged and honored with the opportunities that have been been given to me um, I guess I've also I'm also born with a condition called spina bifida with hydrocaphalus and kyposcoliosis. I know for the people listening in that's probably like wow she's after hitting me there are an awful lot of big words but um I guess it's a it's a birth defect so um, it's something that you're born with um, so I guess I know no different I guess my main kind of my main why in life is to kind of show what disabled what disabled women in society really go through and what it's like really to to live with a a, a condition like um like spina bifida the, uh the ups and the downs and the good and the bad and and sometimes the crazy so yeah that's me
1: because this is one of the things why I love about doing this show is the fact that I get to meet people such as yourself yeah that have really kind of inspirational stories and to give you also the chance to share your story, not mm-hmm. just of me, but people listening along as well at home. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I remember meeting you for the first time and like literally you walked into the studio and you just, your face <laughs> lit up and it was just, it was it was so great to meet you and you were so full of like positivity and just it just oozes from <laughs> Thank you. Thank
2: you. I guess um, I always kind of refer, refer to myself as like the pocket rocket, like I may be four foot six, <laughs> but I think I carry the personality of um, six footers so. long. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and of course, I mean you're no different. To any of us, we, you all, you have the same kind of ideas and dreams and hopes that all of us have, and you know.
2: I think that's that's a that's a really true statement to make because that's something that I really do advocate as well, that just because I have a condition or a disability or whatever kind of word you want to put on it, I'm not very politically correct myself in that department, but I still have the same dreams and desires and the same goals in life. And yes, okay, I do have these conditions. And yes, I may have to do things a little bit differently, but I'm no different to the average 36-year-old. I can't believe I'm actually 36. 36-year-old out there at the moment, like everybody has the their own stuff nobody knows what's going on inside anybody's head and nobody knows what's going on behind behind somebody's four walls mm. of their home so we're all different and we're all struggling no matter what like so yeah.
1: and it's good that you know you're able to kind of to share that with us because sometimes like when we see somebody with, dis- with a disability i mean we just see the disability don't we don't we don't see what's as you say behind that yeah.
2: I do believe in society today and and this is just a personal opinion it's not it's not to be down on anybody I do think people in, in in the disability community from my perspective are not seen or heard like they don't they're not seen as somebody who has good ideas or somebody that can thrive in life and I I really want to advocate for that that yes we can thrive and yes we can reach goals we we can seek employment we can go to college we can do the same things as everybody else yes it's a it's a little bit more of a, a journey and a little bit more of a struggle, but that's not to say that we won't achieve it. And anyone that knows me, I'm probably I'm a little bit stubborn, so tell me I can't do something and, my goodness, I'll, I'll go to hell and back to, to achieve it. <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> now, I'm really looking forward to talking about your book, which we'll get to shortly, but you've also brought with you today a selection of songs. And we're going to play the first one now, and I've looked at the list here, and we've got, like, Sia and Unstoppable. Okay. So when we come back from this, I'm going to ask you about, kind of, what the significance of this song is to you, and what it means to you. Yeah. So here we go. Um. Now, thank goodness, Siobhan, that you were here, because that wasn't (laughs) Sia, that was Pink with Trustfall. Uh, We'll get to Sia, don't worry, we'll play her soon. But um, what's the significance behind
2: that song? I think with everything that Pink kind of does, it's, I don't know, it just gives me a sense of... Empowerment—it gives me kind of a sense you can, you can get through anything. I think it's her, it's kind of her, her whole aura that she, that she kind of portrays, and she just has that. I suppose excuse the pun—that kind of independent woman about her. <laughs> do you know what I mean? So yeah, I, I, I would be. A, I'd be, a, I'd be a massive fan of, the, of Pink.
1: Nice one. We have some more music coming up a little bit yeah. later from your from your lovely selection, so yes. we'll get to that. <laughs> of course, your book, I Smile Back, the Story Nobody Knows, yeah. is now out. You yeah. had a very successful launch in the Clare County Council yeah. offices. Mm-hmm. How did that go?
2: Oh, it's... it's, it's I can't believe, like, it's... So probably it's a week and a half, two weeks now and only coming up like surreal. Like, I suppose the, to get the opportunity to, to publish one book is incredible, but just to get the opportunity to do two and to be able to kind of um, to show this this amazing book to my friends and family and my closest nearest and dearest people were there. I think with this book is just it's a little bit different to my first book. I I won't lie. It's um, it's it's a different kind of genre. I guess the first book, as like we've spoken in, in great detail before, about the first book, it's about kind of growing up in rural Ireland and my relationship with my mom, which is an incredible relationship, and just basically grown up as a teen and a young adult and as for this book it's just different it's more topical based it's more we go in a lot deeper like this is not surface based stuff um a lot of kind of personal development had to to be done from my perspective in order to be able to open myself up and to show vulnerability and anyone that knows me knows um the element of showing vulnerability has been has been a tricky road for me, like I won't lie.
1: Yeah, because I, I was going to say, because I've only met you now, it's my second time to meet you, but mm. just from the first time meeting you and you're such a strong, independent mm. woman, just like Pink, yeah. but no, I mean, for you to show vulnerability, I'd imagine that that wasn't easy mm. because I just think that that's something that you do lightly.
2: Definitely, definitely wasn't easy. Because I do think in society today, um, when you have a disability, you kind of have to be seen to be the tough knot and nothing bothers you and nothing's going to get to you and you're going to get through everything and yes okay I definitely have that mindset I 100% have that mindset but I think throughout this book and if when people take the chance to read it that they will see that like we're human as well at the end of the day and things do get to us and it is difficult it is difficult from the perspective of hearing bad news or hearing bad prognosis or diagnoses all the time like it can get to you and like i guess i felt at the time like showing my vulnerability would have been i was seen like i'd be seen as weak in somebody else's eyes and because i would have been very much i suppose the want of a better word obsessed with what other people mm. would have would have seen me or how i'd be portrayed in their eyes but my perspective of um, showing vulnerability and surrendering to the process has completely changed now. It's going to completely 360 in my eyes because I see it as a massive strength to be able to 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 stand up and say that, you know what, I'm not okay and things are not great at the moment. Because there's such power in saying those words. And when you're able to say those words, then and only then can you do something about it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so, yeah.
1: When you wrote your first book... Yeah. Was there always in the back of your mind a second book?
2: Yes, definitely there was. Because what the I'll say with the first one, I just wasn't ready. Like I was in my twenties. Um, I do firmly believe that you're still gro- you're still growing in your twenties. Like you're mentally not fully not fully developed you're emotionally not fully developed I hadn't a notion who I was in my 20s like mm-hmm. I'm 36 now and I'm still I'm everything is still a work in progress for me like it, we're all every day is a school day mm-hmm. but I do feel now with where, where I am in my life now I was in a much stronger position to share those vulnerable moments and those um those times where I had to just surrender like because it's it's not easy to be able to put yourself out into the world but my why was so much stronger to me than my than what people would have thought of me. Because there's things in the book you won't agree with. And that's perfectly okay. There's things in the book that you will agree with. There's things in the book that you will relate to. There's things in the book that you'll probably think, Siobhan was off the walls talking about that topic. But, like, again, my why, because... There's something in the book for everybody. Everybody's going to be able to relate. There's t- there's topics in the book that I speak about that are completely taboo within today's society to speak about book. I, I think it's time that we're, in 2023, it's time that we can speak about these topics and it, for it to be okay.
1: You probably answered this question there, but how important was it to you to write this book?
2: Extremely, extremely important because my main kind of ethos is how disabled women are seen in society today. Um, I, as I said, I get the sense that we're not to be seen or heard, we're just to be there and we don't really have a purpose and I kind of... I go against that. I go against the grain, and a lot of things. That's but a
1: really strong statement to make, though, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, it
2: is. And I know there'll be people thinking, "Well, that's 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 crazy for Shivan to think that." Of course, they're seen and heard. But I can only ever speak from my own perspective, yeah. and I'll only ever speak from my own perspective. And it's a sense I'm getting. It's it's not that I'm saying it's completely fact factual. It's just from my experience, um, having to go out there and achieve certain things. Some people will think it's mighty. Some people will not think it's mighty. Some people will shut it down, which I don't. I don't agree with. Like, because anything, anything anybody has got to say in life is important. It's important to them. There's some. There's some meaning behind it. Because you wouldn't be saying it otherwise.
1: You've spoken about your vulnerabilities and put them, putting them into the book. Mm. I mean, it's one thing to kind of express them on paper mm. to yourself, but then to put them into a book and send the book out to the world. Mm. I mean, <laughs> how 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 did you how did you feel about all that?
2: Um, I suppose there's one of the vulnerabilities I speak quite quite in the book and that's having a disfigurement. Um, like I mentioned earlier, I have kyposcoliosis and kyposcoliosis is scoliosis from the front to the back. So my spine is in the shape of a backwards S. So you can imagine my um, my torso and my figure is not the stereotypical figure in today's society. And I've we all live in an era where Instagram, mm-hmm. we were talking about it earlier, Instagram is like king, it's queen of the world. And filtering and everybody wants to get themselves fixed. If your nose is out of joint, you go get a fix. If you wrinkle, you go get it plumped up or whatever. But I'm coming from a perspective of having a disfigurement that cannot be fixed. In any way, shape, or form, it cannot be fixed. But that doesn't make me any less more beautiful than of course, the other person. Yeah. And in the book, um, as well as it being in the, the spoken word, um, my vulnerabilities, my vulnerabilities are captured in photos.
1: That's right.
2: <laughs> They're captured in photos of my disfigurement. And yes, that was a huge, huge step for anybody to make, and it's a massive one for me, because the photos were done pre-court. Was that
1: kind of your idea, or...?
2: It was always in the back of my mind. I've always wanted to do the shoot. It had taken me years to do the shoot. I finally found a photographer, um, Yvonne McTiernan, um, to be able to do the shoot for me because I wanted it to be done in a very raw, kind of gritty kind of a way. Like I didn't want them to be flowered up in any way, shape or form.
1: Or filtered, like yeah, you mentioned. Or, yeah. yeah,
2: or filtered, any way, shape, or form. I wanted to be seen in in a, in all its glory, for the want of a better word. But then to find somebody who was probably comfortable, because disfigurement is a, an is an uncomfortable word. And just because I'm comfortable in my disfigurement, doesn't mean everybody else around me is going to be comfortable. So the the photos in the book are just as important, and if not more important than the. spoken word in the book um a kind of so each chapter is represented by a photo and each photo i do a narrative as as to why this photo represents this chapter so most of the most of the photos and most of the book really we look at the internal self again in today's society it's always very focused on the external and what you look like and the latest fashions and the whole shebang kind of a thing. You're not going to get that from this book. This book, I firmly believe this is going to be thought-provoking. I would hope, reading this book, I've always said to people, right, I ask you one question. I asked you, do you see people with disabilities with weaknesses or strengths before you read the book? Answer that question. And then I would ask you, go away and read the book. And I was asked you the same question after reading the book. I would hope that I would have changed your perspective mm. just that little bit because the book in itself is an education as well mm. and that's the difference as well you might go back to what you were mentioning that's the difference from the last book to this book as well there's an education in this book there's there's teaching and how how kind of not how we have to treat people with disabilities because you don't have to treat them any differently than than the average than the average person but I suppose. I, I
1: suppose maybe it's seeing past the disability. Yes, and yeah. I, I
2: suppose it's to get an understanding of those big, highfalutin words that I mentioned earlier, like kyposcoliosis and hydrocephalus. Yeah, kind of because you're
1: more than just those yeah. words. I mean, there's more to you than just that. Like,
2: yeah, and that's that is very true because sometimes in society people see people as one-dimensional. Mm. You're not one-dimensional. And there's many different sides to. You. Nor am I. I'm not one-dimensional either. There's the fun side to me. Mm-hmm. There's the there's the protected side to me. There's the just loads of different sides, and I I hope in this book that I've portrayed that quite beautifully.
1: And I. <laughs> One of the questions I suppose I could ask you now is, is there going to be a third book?
2: (laughs) I'm not quite sure just yet, but I'm quite content with my two books. I do believe with my two books that I have fulfilled my why as to why I did them. Um, The first one was to kind of share my story and to to see so my mom could see the world through my eyes and to bring the care to the forefront. So I firmly believe in that the carers are totally forgotten yeah. <laughs> because everybody asks how I 'm doing loads of people do mm. very few people ask how my mom's doing, so I really wanted to to show that the caring industry, whether it's doctors, nurses, carers, whatever, we would be nothing, nothing without them, so they deserve such a recognition and i I, I hope I have um, done that I hope I've done them <coughs> quite proudly in both my books.
1: What's been the reaction from kind of your family and friends to this second book?
2: I think there's a bit of nervousness in the air with um, this second book. And that's understandable. Is it
1: because of what you discuss in yeah. the book? Yeah.
2: Because it's quite, it is different. Because yeah. the first book, a lot of people would say that, oh my gosh, from well, the first book, you were you were so funny and your you're tongue and cheek and a lot of wit, which is one side to me, yeah, completely. Yeah. But then... I guess in the first book there is the missing of the vulnerability, and that's the, that's the side that I wanted people to see as well. Like, so with the two books, it's a full-rounded person. Yeah. is all I would say. Yeah. So yeah, there's there's a little bit nervous in the air, but I think the the feedback I've gotten from the people that have read it is is just phenomenal. Like you know they've they've cried, they've laughed. There's there's a lot of different emotions, and that's exactly what I want to hear back.
1: How did you find the process? in this second book compared to the first book I mean you talk about it being a different book entirely so was the process and how you approached it different as well
2: um the process I suppose it's, it's it's similar but the work that goes into the soul searching I had to do for this book was extremely challenging because to allow myself to get to the level that I needed to and I wanted to for this book was a, was a lot more challenging because, as i mentioned, it's not surface based stuff. Mm-hmm. This is stuff that I've really had to dig deep down inside to to portray. Because I firmly believe, whether people are saying it or not, these are the things that people are going through. Maybe they're afraid to to talk about it. Maybe with reading the book, they'll. they'll I I would hope by reading the book, they would kind of come away thinking, well, showing my vulnerabilities is not. Not such a bad thing, it's not such a scary thing. Well, she can do it, so why the heck can't I? Yeah, Mm. so yeah,
1: okay, Mm. okay, we're gonna take some more music. Um, now this time I am going to play (laughs) Sia, so I apologize for the last time. So here we go, this is Sia Unstoppable.
3: today
1: We had see yeah with Unstoppable, and again I'm gonna ask you about that song. I mean, obviously, okay, Unstoppable, you are unstoppable. I know I that.
2: love <laughs> this song. Like this song is just oh, it just makes me feel like I can take on the world and achieve anything. So it's just one of those anthems that I stick on if things are not like I'm not having a great day or a bit of a a bit of a flat day. It's just one that's going to get me going and get up and about I love it
1: I can't imagine you having a flat day
2: (laughs) no I'm human just like everybody else I have my flat days I allow my flat days but what I say is I do not unpack there I allow my flat day I give myself the time but I move on after that I ask myself what is one thing that I can do in order to make myself feel one percent better it's not about giant steps I'm a baby steps kind of girl. I've always been a baby steps kind of girl. It has gotten me where I am. And yeah, it's just, that's what I do. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent.
1: So when you say the one thing you do for yourself, would that be like something like putting on Sia, for example, oh, and yes. listening to that? It could be as
2: simple as that. Like, I think people nowadays, like even the people I work with, they'd say, uh, they say they I work with as in in my coaching, they might say, "Well, I did nothing today." I'm like, "Well, you got up, didn't you? And you had a shower, and you had breakfast." And they're like, "Yeah, I did that." Well, you did do something then.
1: But we like, don't see those things. We as, don't as give goals. ourselves. Pre- we yeah. don't give
2: ourselves credit like for the little things. Yeah. And I'm. I think for me, with all I've been through in life, that's one thing that it's taught me, the gratitude for the little things, mm. the little steps that I make, like, yes, okay, I have books and the whole shebang, but they've taken years, like, they're baby step every single day of the week. I just didn't wake up one morning and say, oh, Jeannie, I think I'm gonna write a book today. <laughs> Do you know, it doesn't work like that. It's like baby steps, progress every day, a little bit of progress every day, and you're doing my teeth.
1: And that could be something simple as you know, as you said, I got up. I got up.
2: If it all it is for you today is all you can manage is getting up, putting on fresh pajamas, having a shower, having a healthy breakfast. If that's it, well done. Tomorrow you might might be a little bit more. So it's just about acknowledging um, the little things you do every day, and gaming, I think it's it's very true when we say that we are our own worst critics. Mm. We are deadly. The way we speak to ourselves, if we spoke to a friend like that, Mm -hmm. we'd probably be arrested. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, there is no denying it. Like, so, like, I just...
1: Why do you think that we're our own worst critic?
2: I don't know. For me, personally, it, it comes down to the anxiety of what other people think comparison is yeah. the killer of joy 100% if we can remove the comparison mm. of we're comparing ourselves to everybody else we can remove that then we're, we're removing a good good portion of the fear mm. it's like if i want to achieve like i was just saying to you there achieving doing a podcast mm. there's a little bit of fear in me 100% and there's something blocking and me and
1: the fear is the fear of failure, or the fear of not actually being able to do it, or what is what's for me? The fear?
2: For me, the fear is probably like, oh goodness, if somebody listens to it now, they probably think, oh, that's a load of rubbish. But that's just one person.
1: Yeah,
2: you might have ten other people saying, "Genie, Schwann, that was mighty."
1: But you'll focus on.
2: I focus on the one on person. The one that, person. Told me that was rubbish. Yeah, yeah,
1: <laughs> so like, yeah.
2: Like, it's it's a blockage that we all have. Mm. It's a blockage that we have to all get through. <clears throat> every single day and pushing ourselves outside of our comfort zone like i've always said it's get comfortable in the uncomfortable fear is uncomfortable but what what you're going to achieve is the growth and the growth is what's what's the golden ticket because rejection is inevitable change is inevitable these things are going to happen so like are we going to sit and keep worrying about them Because if you worry about something before it happens, Mm -hmm. and you're worrying about it when it happens, well, then you're worrying twice. One of those worries is unnecessary.
1: Mm -hmm. I was trying to process that as as you were saying it. (coughs) So if you're worrying about something before it happens, and then when the thing happens and you're still worrying about it, so you're worried about it twice.
2: So one of those worries is unnecessary. The worrying about it before because it yeah. hasn't happened yet so why, yeah. are you, why are you why is it taking up time in in your space And your i
1: like own? that i'd never heard that kind of analysis before yeah. and i liked that yeah
2: because again things going wrong and these these things are going to happen yeah.
1: like i told you about a show i had recorded here and it yeah. was it was wrong and it was gone and i had to do it again yeah. and like i didn't worry about that until it actually had happened yeah. i wasn't worried before i did the show no. talking about oh well i wonder i hope this is going to be all right it was afterwards that I found out, oh, well, the show didn't actually record, and, you know. Well,
2: worst case scenario, what did you have to do? Record it again. Yeah. Worst case scenario, somebody doesn't like one of my podcasts. Worst case scenario, somebody says no to you. Yeah. That's one person. Yeah. What about all the other people that are going to listen to you? Exactly. What about all those other people that would have listened when you pre, pre-recorded pre that show, and you probably did it ten times better the second time, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. No doubt. Yeah. That's interesting. That's interesting. (laughs) Have you any advice for anyone that's kind of like, you know, not worrying about things, but sort of like, you know, worrying about things unnecessarily or, you know, not always seeing the positive and always focusing on the negative and things like that. Because I know you do coaching as well. So I'd imagine this is probably part of your coaching.
2: I think um, when we worry, like you said there, we worry about worst case scenario. We worry about things that are not happening. I'm always kind of trying to help and support people to bring things back to the factual, (coughs) the here and now. So what's actually happening here and now, Paul? Mm. Well, here and now I'm sitting down talking to you. Whatever's going to happen in the next hour, I don't have control over. And this is something now, for me personally, I have struggled massively with. All I can control is myself and how I'm presenting myself here. (coughs) The minute I leave... Whatever happens, I, that's, I, I can only take one thing at a time. Mm-hmm. The present moment is all I can control. Well, we try to control the uncontrollable. We try to be like, well, next week now, this, this, and this, and and yesterday, this, this, and mm. this. Well, yesterday's over. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow's yet to come. All I have is today.
1: And we spend so much time, well, I know I do, but I'm guilty of this, thinking <coughs> about next week and next month. Yeah. That, that takes up the time that we're in now where I could be doing something else, but instead I'm worrying about a week, two weeks later. I mean, you know, it's, yeah, it's crazy, it's, it's, isn't it? It is, like, yeah. because
2: a lot of us, what we see in the, the kind of coaching world is, like, we worry about the past and we're anxious about the future. Mm. Well, like I said, the past is over. so no point worrying about it. Mm-hmm. It's done and dusted. Mm-hmm. And the future hasn't yet come. So all you can do is your best in the, in the now mm. to prevent whatever is going to happen in the future. Mm -hmm. Or, like, things are inedible as well. Anyway, you can't change everything.
1: Exactly. I (coughs) want to kind of talk to you about some of the... uh, We're kind of circling back to your book again, but I want to kind of ask you about a few questions about kind of... I suppose some of the taboo kind (laughs) of topics and... uh, Particularly, kind of around relationships and disability, because I heard you speak <coughs> recently, and you can probably enlighten us more on this. But you were talking about kind of relationships and disability, and you know, people don't necessarily see that.
2: Yeah, that's idea
1: Yeah,
2: no, a hundred percent. as it's a taboo subject. It's like, like, wh- why would you be doing that? Like, why would you, bother- why would you be bothering yourself? Why would <laughs> you
1: want to fall in love?
2: Why would I be bothering yeah. myself for that? Paul, like, yeah. it's um. Yeah, I think it's again it's probably worry from my friends and family that if I if I obviously get hurt, I get a broken heart, but like we said, rejection is inedible. I've been rejected so many times like it's it's mad. But like with each rejection again become it comes growth each time you get rejected and it's just the thing is like i'm saying this but it's the same this is the same thing for any relationship exactly yeah about bossy people like but every time you get rejected you learn something about yourself you learn something of what you do and don't want in your next relationship but it's a case of like in the disability world it's seen as like don't even don't even bother don't even risk it like like it's going to be the end of the world if you get your heart broken
1: Again. Is this because the people's <coughs> perception is that because you're not able-bodied, mm. but yet your mind is also not able-minded and that you, your mind won't be able to handle the, the heartbreak or the rejection?
2: You know what, you've hit the nail on the head there with something. Because I do think with having a a physical disability, which is what I have, like, I don't have an intellectual one. Yeah. But obviously, when you do see the physical ailment, you think, oh, Virginia, the poor grower, she won't be able to manage them. Yeah. (laughs) um, That is, I mean, that's, that's yeah, that's perception. There is no denying that. Mm. That is That is the way we've been portrayed. But like... I guess I can make my own decisions. Mm-hmm. I know right from wrong. I'm very fortunate that I don't have an intellectual disability. I know there is people out there that have intellectual mm-hmm. issues, but I'm very fortunate that I don't. So I'm well able to, you know, know right from wrong. Like I said, make up my own mind as to what's good for me and what's not good for me. And you know, yes, I make mistakes. Hundred percent. I have. I picked the wrong people. Be in relationships. Of course, I have. Who hasn't? Do you know what I mean like so? But it's it's learning, and, I, and it it does baffle me as to why it's such a taboo subject. It's. Um, it I
1: mean, even um, we're kind of going down the rabbit hole a little bit here, but even when we're talking about kind of sex as well, and I mean, you know, do disabled people have sex and things no, of like course that? Don't, I mean, no, <laughs> not you know, like this is just you know, no,
2: it, it is, it it is crazy, kind of a thing that I think it's because that they think. People are going to take advantage of us, and you know, give us the runaround, or anything like that, or like again, we're going to get hurt, or we're going to get physically hurt, or emotionally hurt. Or so I can understand it from the perspective of trying to protect.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: <coughs> but I'm the, of the mindset that I want to be able to help and support people to be self-sufficient in order to make their own decisions. I'm not an enabler. I'm, a, I'm so I'm an encourager. Mm. So like I want to be able to okay, if somebody doesn't know right from wrong, and they they do have the mental capacity to understand right from wrong, why not teach them? Because I do speak about in the book as well, sex education.
1: Mm.
2: We all know from, well, I can only speak again from my own perspective, in sixth class, where we all got the the birds and the bees talk in the classroom, but people with disabilities don't get that. Mm. And then we're taught sex education at a much later in life, but we're taught it in a different perspective. We're taught it from like, a danger perspective it's like like you need to protect yourself and mind yourself as for like it's not a biology it's not like you know a facts of life mm. it's not like well this is what happens like this is full the full the circle of life kind of a thing it's not taught like that when you have a disability it's taught as in sex is dangerous
1: <laughs> how do you feel about that
2: um, <clears throat> i suppose like does that
1: then make you afraid
2: yeah, of course I'm course that's going to build fear in anybody like if you're a young adult you're in a appreciable age if somebody is telling you something is dangerous yeah of course you're going to take it on board and you're going to be like oh i'm not going near that like that's that's crazy yeah but like i don't know there was there's just there was something in me for years because like, i didn't start dating till the age 29 Wow. so i'm 36 now so i would say my um my mental capacity when it comes to dating is a little behind. I, like I'm not afraid to say that. Like I'm still learning like when it comes to relationships, and like there's nothing wrong with that. Um, and I think there's something in empowering when it comes to the honesty mm. to it. like I don't mm-hmm. have all the answers. I have a notion. I haven't a notion what I'm at But I want what it is is that I'm open to learning i'm 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 saying now that relationships <laughs> they aren't this dangerous thing. Do you know what I mean you mm-hmm. can meet some lovely people? Again, I may not pick the right people, but I've also met some lovely people, and some like the relationships may not have worked out, but I'm still good friends with those people to this day, and that just shows growth. It shows it shows maturity. It shows in me that do you know what I mean I can go from the adolescent stage into adulthood mm-hmm. and into maturity. <coughs> <coughs>
1: So we might just take another, uh, another track um, This one is from uh, One Republic And this yes. one's called I Lived And we'll have a chat about this song afterwards
3: Hope when you
4: take that jump You don't feel the fall You built a wall Hope when the crowd screams out you're screaming your name Hope if everybody runs You choose to stay Hope that you fall in love And it hurts so bad i hey. A
1: I'm really liking your music choices today Siobhan. They're really good. And that is, uh, I lived, yeah. and obviously. I I'm mean, I can think, I, I don't know why you picked that song.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm bopping around to that song. Yeah. It just makes me happy and it's like, you know, I have a purpose in life and and I think anyone can relate to that song. Yeah. We all have a purpose in life and we're all here for, for a reason. So,
1: Before that song we were talking kind of about relationships and stuff and, and one question I want to ask you Siobhan is uh, do you ever see yourself getting married? Is that in your kind of in your vision for your future?
2: I think growing up um, as a girl, like we we've all had those kind of fairy tale stories of the white dress and the big day. You've seen
1: that sort of friends, where Monica has the big folder with all her ideas <laughs> yes, for her we wedding Yes, we all yeah.
2: like girls, whether we want to admit it or not. We all have had that dream. Yeah. But I guess as with with my life, and it's been so just a bit of a roller coaster. It sometimes it's been not achievable well I've felt I suppose I should put that in I have felt it hasn't been achievable but as I've gotten older and um, yeah it is something that meeting your person is 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 something that i've always kind of dreamed of and it's something that i want that person that you know you can rely on too thick and thin and the person that you can just be your true, authentic self with the good the bad and and the crazy which you want you know so it is something that i would like whether it happens or not i have no control over it i'm not holding on to it i'm living it living life to the best of my ability and just throwing it out into the universe
1: and um, what about kids
2: um, this is something I suppose. I think for myself, I've been programmed. I've programmed my own brain to not wanting kids because I can't have kids. I can I can have a kid, but I can't carry a child because <laughs> I'm four foot nothing. Where's the <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So I'm quite small. So I think for myself, I have programmed myself to not wanting kids. But I do speak th- about that in the book. That
1: and have you accepted the kind of the physical? aspect of that not being able to physically carry a child have you accepted that
2: I I have I have because I've known it for so long I yeah. think it's always been in my cards it's not something that I just learned as an adult that I I can't all of a sudden yeah. have kids because yeah. I can understand that from a woman's perspective that's that's heart-wrenching that's re- like not being able to to give this the most beautiful gift on the world that you can give anybody, not being able to do that, it is heart, reaching and I can totally understand from that perspective. But I've known for so long, <laughs> it's like I have a disability. I know no different. Mm. So I know no different not having kids. But I guess where it kind of hit home for me a little bit was um I've recently become an auntie. Oh, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. And uh, my, my niece, Ava, she's absolute. She's my pride and joy. Yeah. And I just see it in her that that love that you can that you can have for a child and it it I suppose it did kind of hit home with me a little bit that I'll never never have that but I am very fortunate to have Ava. Mm. She's she's like me own and she'll she'll always be considered like me own. So yeah, it, it has come with a whole host of emotions. It's emotions that I have worked through. Mm-hmm. It has taken it has taken time, but I suppose it hit me I suppose the moral of the story did. It hit me a little later in life than what it should have had. So, yeah, that's
1: it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, something I wanted to kind of come <coughs> back to. we had spoken about this the first time that we met. Mm. And that is your kidney failure. Yes. So kind of where are we up to now in terms of that?
2: <laughs> with the kidney failure, I feel like I'm on a tightrope. <laughs> um, because I'm still, I'm still plodding along. Um, yeah. I'm very fortunate. I think I'm like the, the cat with the nine lives. <laughs> yeah to be honest um i'm still running on 10% kidney function um and, and like i've mentioned many times before anything below 10% you do require dialysis but in the last maybe 2 years since middle of covid my kidneys sometimes haven't been playing ball with me mm. um and the progress has been very up and down but I've worked through a process that I have struggled for for 16 years and that's the idea of introducing dialysis into my life and I like the last time we spoke dialysis was a no-go go go away it was like a complete trigger complete trigger word to me I would shoot you down the minute you opened about your mouth about dialysis but I guess where I am now I've had to work through that it's a grieving process
1: yeah I was gonna say it yeah because yeah yeah (coughs)
2: For me, we always speak about grieving when it comes to losing a loved one, mm. but losing a part of you as well and being able to say goodbye to that part Yeah, you, it actually, when I talk about it now, it does make me emotional, but that's okay because that's all part of it as well. Like mm. and being able to express my emotions when it came to my kidneys, because again, I had to be this tough nut and say, well, I'm going to get through it and nothing's going to knock me down. And. But
1: because isn't that true? You told me this before that you were. It was told to you that you would never reach twenty-one.
2: I would never reach yeah. nineteen or eighteen. Excuse me, never reach twenty-one. Then never reach thirty. And I think they've just given up giving me an age yeah. now. <laughs> but there, that thing is still in the back of my mind. I do firmly believe that I'm on borrowed time, and that's not to be more. But when I say that, I think that. When I'm saying that, I it gives me such an appreciation for life that yeah. every single day on this planet is a blessing, it's a gift. And as, as cringy as it may sound, like, I live life to the best. Mm. Like, no matter what, like, I go to the opening of an envelope. Yeah. <laughs> not a bother. Like, if I'm fit and able to go, Siobhan's at it. But that's what life is about. Like, it's not about pff, sitting at home and feeling sorry for myself. Or I'm
1: waiting like, for life to happen. And no, just, like, yeah.
2: nobody's going to come knocking on your door. No. You have to go out there and achieve it to the best of your ability and whatever like whatever is best for you like again this is where the comparison can kind of maybe hit home with people no whatever is best for you whatever quality of life that you're reaching for because my quality of life is much different to your quality of life mm-hmm. but quality over quantity for me any day of the week like it's is extremely important to me and i think i've been very fortunate with the medical team and like I'm always advocating for my medical team because I know in today's Ireland society like the medical um, system gets such a bad rap mm. and look at everyone's experience is different. But I've been so fortunate with my renal team. Like they've kept me, like I say, they've kept me above water for 16 years. Like it's a miracle, genuinely. And, I, and people might think I'm crazy. It's a miracle that I'm even sitting here with 10% kidney function for 16 years like it's 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 madness so why wouldn't I want to go out and grab life in the hands and you know tick off my bucket list and yeah why not
1: every time you go to meet the, the renal team yeah. kind of what goes through
2: your mind it's so difficult yeah. the anxiety like There was times there that I'd have avoided the renal team, like they know this, I'd have avoided the renal team because I just, there's just sometimes in your life you're just not able Mm. to hear bad news and the anxiety. Every time I'm sitting, like I'm sitting in the waiting room and I'm looking around and I'm like, like no disrespect to anybody in that waiting room, but they're nearly three times my age like okay they're not now because I'm 36 so when I got diagnosed first um at 19 I'm sitting around I'm like they're three times my age like and I'm 19 and I've been struck down with it so it's so easily it's so easy to go into victim mode but I don't allow myself because I'm like right I'm a solution-based person I'm like okay this is what's wrong what do I need to do in order for it to be me for me to be as comfortable as I can be and to be the best that I can be so I do go into that kind of mode, more so than the victim mode. But I can understand it is easy to go into the victim mode. I'm not being judgmental to anybody that does. I will allow it, but not again, not to unpack there.
1: What about anger?
2: <coughs> yeah, this is a word I think for me that, oh Jeannie, if anyone said the word anger to me as a teenager, I would have thought they were crazy. Like, But I, uh, I was angry. A hundred percent, and even at times... But it's
1: understandable though, I mean...
2: Yeah, but I always thought, for me, I always thought anger was a bad word. Yeah. I always thought, oh my God, anger, you're you're a really bad person if you're angry, but I think I've learned, and again, I try and have people to, to process anger, as in like, it's just like every other emotion, it's like happiness, sadness, it has to be processed in the same way, but making sure that I process my anger in a healthy and safe manner. Because there's still times that I I do get angry, but I have much well, it, more it's to only, understand.
1: Uh, the reason I'm asking about <coughs> that is because it's 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 only natural for somebody in your position mm. to feel anger. I mean, you have so much life to give mm. and you feel like, well, why am I being dealt this card? And it's not fair. And I know you talk about victim, victim mode, <coughs> but like, I think you're entitled to sort of yeah. feel that way.
2: Yeah. and. I do. I do. I guess for me, it just, I don't know, it just stride me on or it drives me on a little bit more to to, to use my abilities that I have. I don't focus on what I can't do. I focus on what I can do. And I've always been of that mindset. And I, I firmly believe that comes from my my family, my parents, uh, my mum and dad completely, because they were never of the mindset, oh, I mm. can't do that. I oh, can't go there.
1: Because I heard uh, um, you talking recently and, and you, you gave the, the story where you were onto a bus at the age of, was it three or four? When I was,
2: when I started school at first, yeah. about three or four. And public transport, like everyone back yeah. in the day, in the early 90s, we all went to, sp- to school in a bus.
1: But that's great that you were just, you know, encouraged to do that and just to go and just be like case, everyone else.
2: It was a case of providing the environment to me that I'm like everyone else. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, when I got on that bus, I'm about four foot. There ain't no way I'm getting on that bus on my own. Yeah. Everybody in the bus rallied around yeah. me. Yeah to help me on that was, yeah. but it was to give me that sense of independence yes. to, to not build in that fear mm-hmm. from day dot and I guess that's why I don't have that fear now because it was never instilled in me because like we can take on other people's fear we can take on other pe- people's baggage but they're not your own mm-hmm. make up your own mind as to what's fearful make up your own mind as to what you can and can't do so that's what I would be saying
1: Siobhan, I really wish that we had more time to talk, <laughs> but um, we're kind of fast approaching the, the end of today's show. But a few things we kind of got to f- uh, run through. One of the things is that I'm really excited to share that you have been invited to do a TED Talk. I
2: know, that's crazy. <laughs>
1: I mean, it's, it's one thing talking here with me on this show, but like, it's also one thing doing your book launch. But actually going on to do a mm-hmm. TED Talk, I mean, that's serious, that's big time, baby.
2: Yeah, I know, it's an incredible. Opportunity, and I'm very thankful for the people in Rathole, the organisers in Rathole, for having me on. It's it's something that's been on my bucket list for years. Brilliant. But now that it's happening, um, I'm excited. But again, I am nervous, and like you say, it's okay to be nervous. We'll get through it.
1: Do you know when it's happening? It's or?
2: happening the first of July. Oh, brilliant! Yes, so brilliant. Yes, I'm,
1: we we'll look forward to kind of um yeah. seeing that, hearing yeah, that. I'm not quite sure what it. way this is gonna work, but yeah, yeah brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um Obviously, we've mentioned your books. Uh, where is the best place to find those books?
2: You can find the book um, on my publisher's website, BookHubPublishing.ie, or you can also contact me directly. My email is Siobhan at keepsmilingalways.ie and I'd love to hear from you.
1: Um, and though the, that the recent book is "I Smile Back," the story that nobody, the yes. story nobody knows. Mm. Um, so. Listen, congratulations thank on you. the second book. I uh, will so look much. forward to, to reading that. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, Siobhan, really I mean thank you very much for coming on to the show today. You've been incredibly honest and open and I really respect that. And I mean, you just kinda of come in here like you did before, you came in here <laughs> smiling and full of personality <coughs> and you know, it's been an absolute pleasure to, to meet you again and hopefully yeah. our paths will cross again at some time thank in, you, in the future. Thank
2: you. Um <laughs> I'll be back anytime. I just love the environment that you provide, um, um, Paul. It's just such a safe and welcoming environment. So that's why I can be so open and honest. So thank you.
1: Thank you. Do you have any final words before we close out the programme?
2: Um, no, I think just for the people that are listening in, just keep being true to yourself. I know times times can be difficult and and, and hard but you will get through it no matter what just I think the bit of self-belief in oneself will, will help and support you to get through it and just appreciate every day that we've been given and um, be kind to your loved ones.
1: <laughs> I think you're a testament to that <laughs> by actually being here yeah, fair yeah pleasure. Thank, you, thank you Siobhan thank you so much thank, thank, thank you and um, that's it for today's episode of Mind the Head here on LCR 102.9 uh, stand by travel by the Lake is on the way and I'll be back with you again very soon take care thank you bye bye
0: Mind the Head with Paul Flaherty A weekly show that focuses on mental health and well-being Sundays on Lockray Community Radio Brought to you by Dignity Funeral Care Funeral directors caring for your peace of mind
3: Broadcasting across Lockray on 102.9 FM On your smart speaker and smart device across the globe This is Lockray Community Radio
0: Do you have local news or updates, job vacancies or upcoming community events that you would like to share with the public? Then get in touch with us here at LCRFM 102.9. Email the details to Community Radio at gmail.com and we will happily feature it on our Community Diary Show. Kindly sponsored by Dignity Funeral Care. Lockray Community Radio 102.9, your number one source of local news and information.